You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Happy New Year. We have been blessed to see together 2023. And uh, the older I get, the more I, pres- I realize that life is precious and but a vapor. And so I am really excited that God has allowed us to tarry uh, with the privilege of gospel opportunity and to invest in the kingdom work and to be a part of what God is doing in this world and in this community and in this church. And so I, I, I am super grateful and I pray you are too. I pray you had a Merry Christmas. I've entitled the message today and unfailing plan of God. And uh, you ask, well, that's an interesting message going into the new year. What, you know, uh, what, what's that got to do with it? And I think it'll be a great reminder for us uh, to see God at work in the life of His people. So let me pray and we'll jump right in to the message today for God's grace. Father, we thank You that You have certainly blessed us with the privilege of prayer, the the opportunity to come this day and, Lord, to worship through our praises to You, through the preaching of Your Word, and through the giving of tithes and offerings, Lord. We are super grateful for all that You have done in 2022. Not only is today a new year, it is our sixth year anniversary as a church plant. In God, we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. So many things to preach on this morning. But Lord, you've put this on my heart. We are super grateful for the plan that you have for this church, your church as a whole, and each one of our lives. Lord, I know that there are many watching this morning who are hurting I know that there are many here dealing with the effects of lost loved ones during this season. Lord, I pray that You grant them the peace that surpasses all understanding that will guard their hearts and their mind in Christ Jesus. Lord, I know that there are many this morning sick, unable to be here. And God, I pray that You would heal them, that You would grant them the blessing of Your in-now healing. Lord, we know that You do not promise that, but that one day when we stand with You in eternity, Lord, we will all be glorified and our bodies will be healed. And so we praise You for that. And as we come today, Lord, starting out a new year, a new day, new opportunities, may we never forget the unfailing plan of God the promises in which You have made to Your people. And may we trust in You and You alone to guide us and direct us into this new year. We love You and we thank You and we ask for these things in the precious name of Christ. Amen. So I've entitled the message, The Unfailing Plan of God. But here's the reality. Sometimes... In life, it's hard to see and understand what God has planned. 
And as we move into yet another year, it's important to understand ultimately that God has a plan. God has a plan for each one of your lives, for my lives, for your children's lives, for your parents' lives, for those that have stepped into eternity. God has had a plan and will always have a plan. And His plan is unfailing. Take, for example, the life of Joseph. Joseph was a faithful man of God. He walked through life dealing with many difficulties and experienced great tragedy. Yet God used him in mighty ways to preserve his people. God is always in the business, isn't he, in accomplishing and the more extraordinary task of what lies ahead, even those things you and I are unable to see on the surface. If we could only catch a glimpse of God's greater purpose in every aspect of our lives, every good thing, and every bad thing. If we could get a glimpse of all that God is fashioning and doing in and through those, we would certainly have a greater contentment and trust in God for what He is doing. I truly believe that our hearts would be changed. But we don't have a glimpse into that. We do have a glimpse into the past in men's life like Joseph. It's an undeniable truth that God is omniscient. That God sees all things at all times. And every intention of the heart, whether for good or for evil. Because God is certainly all-knowing and therefore there is a tremendous advantage that He has that you and I do not have, but you and I can come to the table with a level of trust in knowing that He is able to see. My kids, when they're real young, they get in the car, they have no idea where they're going. They just trust I'm going to get them to where we're going. And sometimes in life, that's like our relationship with God. We have no idea. We can make a plan, but we have no idea if we're going to end up there or not. Because God's the only one who is omniscient. He's the only one who understands every detail of your life. So whatever it is you're carrying with you this morning, God sees it and understands it. God sees and understands the struggles in our minds to determine whether we turn right or do we turn left. Do we pursue this or do we pursue that? Do we go after this woman or this man? What do we do with this life for which we are living? Because God is all-knowing, because He is omniscient, because He understands every detail, every circumstance we face, every joy we experience, and every pain we endure, we can develop a greater level of faith as we move into 2023. God's sovereign will was a truth that Joseph had to hold fast to. He had to because he... He, he couldn't see what God was doing. He, he just knew God was working. And maybe, maybe just in the moment he didn't see it. 
Many times we don't see it until we come through the tunnel and we realize, oh, that's what God was doing. And I don't know about you, but every time I, 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 I approach the end of the year, and I know everybody likes to celebrate and do the fireworks and, and party it up and drop the ball at 12 o'clock, but every year I am perplexed with what took place the year before. I am concerned about how I live my life, what I did and what God was doing in 2022. Not so much in the moment and celebrating, oh, it's 12 o'clock midnight or in the morning and now it's 2023, but rather, what has God been doing in my life and through my life and how has God worked those situations out? In every year, it seems God shows me His sovereign hand at the end of the year. And I'm able to go, wow, look at what God can do if we will just rely and trust in Him. And for each one of you, you have a different story. And maybe the light bulb hasn't gone off for you yet. But maybe consider what has happened and what God is doing. He wasn't able to see what God was doing. And maybe it wasn't something that came to him naturally, Joseph. At the forefront of his life. But it was something he would indeed have to come to learn. Joseph learned that God had a greater purpose for his life. And while he couldn't see it on the surface, he came to understand it in the end. Because God's plan will never be stopped. If you recall, Joseph went through many trials, tribulations, and tragedies. And in chapter 37 of Genesis, God began to work in this man's life, Joseph. It starts Joseph's journey there with, with the joys, and, but also there's judgments that would follow. There would be joy in the fact that God had given him dreams and visions about his life and what it would look like in some sense and, and what would unfold. But then the judgments from his brother came because they wanted nothing to do with God, nor the things of God, nor the plan that God had for Joseph's life. But who's in control? Joseph or the brothers? Neither God is. It was pain that Joseph faced when he was sold into slavery. I bet he didn't see that coming as he's bought by Potiphar. Imagine that. Here we sit free in America. And he's being purchased as a slave. And yet that agony, the disregard for the love of his brothers selling him off, that agony turns to joy. When Joseph becomes successful. But as that joy had risen to the top, to the pinnacle, to the peak, that joy leads to judgment as Potiphar's wife, if you are reminded in Genesis 39, 6-23, accused Joseph of trying to make sport of her and landed him in prison. Accused of something he did not do, and he paid the full consequence of it. In this place, God, though, was still working. He was working at the pinnacle and He's working in the valley. 
He's working in the highs, he's working in the lows, and he's working in the able to see, and he's working in the unable to see. And God brought him out of that prison and put him in a palace. As he interprets the dream of Pharaoh, and boy, could you imagine Joseph in this moment, feeling on top of the world, living out in his joy, as Pharaoh says to him in Genesis 41, 40, you shall be over my house. And according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. Man, he has, he has transitioned. The unfailing plan of God has, has seemed to progress and to, to work with him in the lows and in the highs and back in the lows and now back in the highs again. And of course, Joseph finds himself probably in sheer delight. He's a hard worker. He's not lazy. He's not a, you know, just someone wanting a handout. He's all about the business, doing what God has called him and placed him to do for this man. And at this point, Joseph has been really living a roller coaster kind of lifestyle. Maybe you can personally relate to that today. Because what I find as I study the Scripture, these men who we place on pedestals are no different than you and me. And our lives are just like that. They're up and they're down. And they're up and they're down. And they're up and they're down. And we don't know whether we're coming or going sometimes. And we certainly don't know what God is doing. But sometimes it's in when we are in those valleys that when we get to the top, God shows us why we were in the valleys. And many times it's not for our benefit, but rather for our sanctification. Uh, sometimes to give us a more strong reality of who God really is and who we are not. To give us a greater dependence on the sovereign God of the universe to, to allow us to be, the, the, to be able to trust Him like never before. I mean, how do we grow in, in faith and trust? Well, if, if my son is, is going to learn to trust me and I say, fall into my hands as I'm in the pool and he never falls, he will never trust. But as he falls into my hands and I catch him, he, he, he grows a greater dependence of trust that I'm going to catch them. And many times in life when we get in the valleys, God's saying, just fall on me, trust in me. And when we fall, He catches us, picks us up, and reveals to us who He really is. And let me explain to you that many of you are the ones that God will use to do that in the lives of people around you. Think about that for a minute. God has designed the church to be in community and to pick up one another and to, to rely on one another because ultimately our trust is in God. But God uses us as His vessels to bless, to strengthen, to encourage others. And so here this man on this roller coaster of lives, there have been highs, there have been lows, there's been pleasures, been delights. There were days in which Joseph was encouraged and there were days in which he was discouraged. 
And if you read that story, you can't help but weep at the end when his brothers come. God's man living the ups and downs ultimately for God's purpose. And here as we come to the book of Exodus, we learn that Joseph has died. But Joseph's left a legacy. And God blessed Joseph. And, and because God is who He is and He used Joseph in the way that He would, He would also continue to bless generations to come because God is faithful. It would be a blessing that would unfold regardless of what happens because God made a promise to Abraham. He made a promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 13. Chapter 15, chapter 17, chapter 22, I think first 15 to 18. It was a promise that was given that would unfold because God is a promise-keeping God. It was not a promise that was dependent on the individual success, but, but rather because of God's faithfulness. And that is a worthy truth of laying hold of today. And while this may not be a, necessarily a promise for you and for me direct, God certainly grants you and me promises that we can grasp and take hold of in our lives, in our families, in our churches, in our communities, in our country. God is the author of revival. And that God is the author of great success. That God is in and through all things that result in His desired will. Even, notice this, even when you and I can't see it. God is in control. Even when it makes no sense. Now, I've never been put in a place or a situation where I have been absolutely devastated and totally at the hand and the mercy of God. I've never been given, a, as I heard this morning, one week to live. I've never had to lay in a hospital because I've been shot and I'm paralyzed from the waist down now. I've never been one who has been told by the doctor I, I, I have a heart disease and, and, I, and, I, and I need a surgery, an open heart surgery. But I know this. The God whom we worship is in control of every one of those. And God has a great plan for your life and for my life from the youngest to the oldest. His purpose, His love, His grace, His unfailing plan will never be done away with. And what that is for you and what that is for me, I have no clue. I just know I have to trust and you have to trust that God is able. God made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that He would make of them a great nation. Was it dependent upon the individual's success, but rather the, the almighty hand of God? God is indeed... God of revival. And when you and I can't see what He's doing like so many times in the life of Joseph, we have to trust. And what we see here in Exodus chapter 1 is the culmination, the unfolding will of God for His people.
It was a work of God that no matter what happened, could not be stopped. And that was because it was based on the faithfulness of the promise that God had made, and God is indeed a promise-keeping God. As we look at verse 6, Joseph dies, and all of his brothers in that generation with him. And then we have this three-letter word that, that ultimately changes the direction of God's movement. But... We are told that Israel was fruitful. Joseph, it says in verse 6, died and all of his brothers and all that generation, but the sons of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly and multiplied and became exceedingly mighty so that the land was filled with them. Now we could expect nothing less of God. His promise to make them as numerous as the sand of the sea the stars of the sky. And again, what God says, God does, and He accomplishes. Israel significantly increased in number. Well, we would expect that if they were going to become numerous. And the text says they became exceedingly mighty. I'm always encouraged to know that when God is working, He builds an army. He builds a team, and He does it through the plurality of people. Now, God sometimes chooses the small things to accomplish greater and mighty deeds. But many times we see God's faithfulness in the culmination of the plurality of His people. I don't know about you, but I would rather go into a battle with one in God, than a hundred and no God. But here's the deal. I would rather go into battle with a hundred and God and than one with God, if those are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we come to verse 8, we, we learn that there is a new king, that a new king has arisen in Egypt. One whom does not know Joseph, nor the ways of Joseph, nor the lifestyle of Joseph, nor what Joseph did for the previous Pharaoh. And therefore, this Pharaoh, this king, does not honor the work which had been done for the previous king. He says in verse 8, Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Behold, the people of the sons of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal wisely with them, or else... They will multiply. And in the event of war, they will also join themselves to those who hate us and fight against us and depart from the land. And so they appointed taskmasters over them to afflict them with hard labor. And they built for Pharaoh's storage cities. The old saying goes, it's not what you know, but who you know. This new king does not know Joseph, nor Joseph's faithfulness over the years. And just like any king who had authority and wanted control, and he saw the growing blessing that was being bestowed on the people of Israel, there was a threat. There was a threat to his power. When things grow, have you ever noticed how 
people who are in control want to stop what God is doing sometimes. I've heard of Sunday school classes growing to extreme levels and then being cut off. Why? Oh, too many people might cause a problem. I've heard churches grow to to the extent where they can't handle the people and so they, they start stopping certain things so the growth will stop. Nevertheless, I think it's a reality in our world. Many don't want the things to get out of hand and out of control. But know this, God has a way of getting what He wants done. He always has. He always will. Because He's God and we are not. And if He wants things done, He will get them accomplished. And now if I can for a second interject here, because I think this is an excellent point for which we need to stop and pause and consider the reality in our own lives. This king did not know God. This king did not know Joseph. This king did not know the promises of God. And out of fear, it says, he wanted to stop what God was doing through the people of God. We have to be really careful that we don't try to stop what God is doing because we don't understand what God is doing through the people of God. We live in a day that is filled with unfaithful leaders. Unfaithful churches, unfaithful governments, unfaithful bosses, unfaithful in every arena for, by which we live in this corrupt culture. They care not about God. They care not about His truths or the work that has been done over the years to honor Him. And there is a determined effort, a fully engaged battle happening to stop any and all uh, godliness that has taken place in our world. And I want you to think about this because we've removed God from the public schools. Maybe I'm wrong, but there was probably a lot of work to get them in there. But there's an effort to remove them. There's an effort to remove the Bible. There's an effort to remove your godliness and therefore they call you legalists. There's an effort to distort good and evil and call that which is evil good and that which is good evil. There is a battle on the front lines by which those who have control are trying to stop that which is God is doing. But guess what? God's unfailing plan will be accomplished. There is an engaged battle happening. And it relates to every aspect of life. But remember, God is the one working. So don't be discouraged. And no man, no government, no persecution will ever stop or overthrow God's sovereign plan and His purpose and desired outcome. Do you think that's a helpful reminder as you approach a new year? Because I don't know about you, but the world I'm living in is going down quick. And I need that reminder. The king decides that he wants to go and deal wisely with the people. Wisdom based on his own understanding. 
But what he fails to understand is that the wisdom of man is folly to God. Sometimes what makes sense to us does not make sense to God because what makes sense to us is not God's plan. And so out of fear, out of fear that the people of God would multiply, cause war, join together with the enemy. See all these self-mental, fabricated things that he has built within his mind that could be accomplished, that there would ultimately no longer be control. And so they try to stop the hand of God. And they did this by pointing and place over the people were called taskmasters that would afflict them, suppress them, and keep them under their control. And in the end, it did not work. Rather, it backfires. Why? Because men are not in control. God is in control. And the promises of God will come to pass. You ask, why this message? Because as you face yet another year, you will need the reminder of the promises of God in your life. And no matter who tries to discourage you, no matter who tries to sideline you, no matter who tries to hold you back, when the promises of God are on your side, friend, you can press onward with confidence. The question we have to ask ourselves, are we doing what God has called us to do? And if you are doing what God has called you to do, just don't worry about what's happening around you. Just keep walking. It's the old uh, movie I used to watch with my children from Nemo. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. We just keep going. Because in the end, we will accomplish what God has planned. It won't be us doing it, but God through us doing it. This passage is all about God Almighty and His being in absolute sovereign control and working out His sovereign plan in the lives of His people. We need that hope. We need that reminder of God's promises to His people so that when this year something happens in your personal life, you can be reminded that He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will provide all that you need, not necessarily your greeds, but your needs. And many times you don't even know what you need until God provides and then something comes up and then it's all going to work out because God did that before you ever knew it was going to happen. Sometimes we just need that reminder that God is working as God promises to us, to His people. Listen, while we are hard-pressed on many sides, we're not ever crushed. We may find ourselves this year perplexed, but not in despair. We may be persecuted for our faith, that's okay, but not forsaken. We, we may even be struck down at times, but never shall a child of God be destroyed. We need to stand firm in our faith. As we launch into 2023, 
We need to be trusting as Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord. How? With all of your heart. Not just a little bit of your heart, but with all of your heart. The Hebrew word there for heart means all of your being, your mind, your will. Do you trust in God with all of your being? It can be hard, can't it? And every stage of life is different, but when you trust in God with all of your heart and what lean not on your own understanding, that's the hard part because this head is thick and full of pride and self-ability. I, I, I don't need nothing. I can do it all on my own mentality. But he says, trust in me, the Lord, with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, because what makes sense to you isn't in my arena, Stuart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, he says, acknowledge Him. The, the Hebrew word there for acknowledge can be translated worship. You say, well, how can that be? Well, listen to this. When you understand who God is, when you understand that God is omniscient, when you understand He's omnipresent, when you understand He's omnipotent, that He's all-powerful, that He's full of grace, He's full of love, He's full of mercy, He's full of wrath, He's full of justice, He's all of those things, then certainly we can worship Him and Him alone. We can think and praise Him and Him alone. Because He is God. So not on our own understanding, but rather acknowledge Him and the Scripture says He will make straight our path. You might plan to go right, but God will direct your path. And wherever that path is directed will be straight. And too many times in my life, I have been pretty certain right was right when left was God's right. Now, as a church this year, we have launched the largest budget in six years that we've ever launched. And I promise you it's going to take a step of faith this year to accomplish everything within the budget that's there. We're going to have to trust God and we're going to have to be faithful. We are individually going to have to trust God in our tithes and our offerings. Because as we ponder all that's... It's amazing what happens in this church. But ain't nothing free. So if you ain't tithed all year and you ain't been a tithing person, listen, you're robbing from God. I'm just going to tell you, you're robbing from God. Because here's the deal. What if everybody did that? You wouldn't have a church to be sitting in. You wouldn't have an AC system. You wouldn't have these beautiful lights and these graphic... Images so you don't have to bring your Bibles. You read on the screen. You wouldn't have these soft cushion seats and you wouldn't have a full staff of worship leader and pastor and, and, and bookkeepers and all of those things that, that take place. And so as we push into 2023, I am so excited about the budget because we are taking a step of faith Trusting that God is who God is. 
And we see the necessity for everything within that budget to function and to operate for gospel ministry. Oh, we, we carved some out, but we added some back in. And by God's grace, by our faithfulness and trust in God, He will provide as He always has. He always does, doesn't He? So yeah, we need the reminder of the promises of God. That He will supply all our needs. And that the gates of hell will not prevail Listen, many are on the hunt, my friends, for the downfall of the churches. But we will not give ear to the enemy. Why? Because the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Don't give him ear. For if God is for us, who can be against us? Listen, no enemy can stand against the power of Christ. And I believe that to be true. So they afflicted them with hard labor. They persecuted them because of what God was doing in their lives. Because of their success, they attempted to suppress the people because of what God was doing. And so do not be surprised this year when God begins to work in your life, in your family, in your ministry, in your church, in your communities, that the devil plays double time. When God starts working in those arenas, you will begin to stand for God's truth. Do not be surprised when the enemy stands bold and rallies to try to suppress or to even persecute you for standing for the truth of God's Word. Because when revival is on the horizon, so is the devil. And revival doesn't begin out there. It doesn't even begin right here. It begins right here. begins right here. Do you set goals for 2023? I don't know about you, but I need to set some goals that I didn't accomplish in 2022. Or if I did set the goals, I didn't accomplish them well. And I think revival needs to start in every single one of us. And it begins with the Word of God. Salvation comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God, but let's just be honest. We don't take this thing serious. We don't study it. We don't read it. We don't memorize it. We don't quote it. We don't share it. At best, we have a Bible app and we share one verse and we think that's our daily devotion. Holy moly. And yet we spend hours on social media, hours on video games, hours on self-pleasure. I think we all need to set back individually. I don't know where you are. I don't know your habits. I don't know those things, but I do know this. If we need a balanced life, And God ought to take priority. And if He has not taken priority, there ain't nothing you can do about 2022. But what you can do is forget what lies behind and press forward to the goal that lies ahead. And begin to start a revival in your own life. And when you set on fire for Jesus and the things of God, it catches and begins to burn. And the next thing you know, you got a community on fire for Jesus. Because if you think it's just going to be one person that's leading everything, you've missed it. It's not a one-man show. We're a body of Christ and individually members of one another. Ain't you glad you just don't have a foot and that's it? Just hopping around on some foot? 
No hands, no toe, no fingers, no, no eyeballs, no ears, no, no mouth to taste, no nose to smell. No, we need every and all because that's how God works. And so when that is revival internal is on the rise in the church, in the nation, the devil's going to show up. Persecution has always brought revival. I'm reminded the Puritans in a book I was reading expressed the act of uniformity in which the Puritans suffered a devastating blow when Parliament passed that uniformitarian act in 1662 in which Parliament divided the Church of England from all other Protestants. And the crisis continued and came to a head on August 24, 1662 on St. Bartholomew Day when 2,000 Puritan ministers, preachers, were ejected from the pulpit. They were removed from the pulpit. And so, of course, what did they do? They went into the fields and preached. But there was even greater restriction and the Covenantal Act in 1664 was passed which banned preaching in the fields and even conducting private prayer meetings. It was a time of sheer persecution within the body of Christ and pressure to stop what God was doing. God was working in, in the life of His people. He, he was fulfilling His promise to Abraham and multiplying the people. And God was fulfilling His purpose by, by allowing the gospel to go forth and the Word of God to rise and to permeate. And out of that persecution arose a man by the name of George Whitfield, who set revival on two continents. The greatest evangelist ever ignited a revival. Listen, when persecution comes, revival arises. We're too comfortable is our problem. It's time for revival in the church. It's time for revival in the nation. It's time for revival in our families. It's time for revival in our children. It's time for revival across the board. Or it's time for Christ to come back. It's time for the church to stand up for the truth of the Word of God. We need men to be put back in the pulpits. Okay, I, I understand you may go out into the world, into the, the highways, and by, they've removed the pulpit. They certainly don't have a Bible in the pulpit. They have a little table and a little seat. They take off their coats. They, they wear skinny jeans and all of those things. And they try to conform to the culture. They have light shows and pastors coming in on string line and worship teams suspended from the ceiling. Holy cow! What is this, a circus? We need to put the pulpit back in the center of the platform with a Bible on it and have preachers preach from the Word of God to dying men as dying men. That's what we need in this nation. We need to stop fooling around with all this cliche and calling it Christianity when it looks nothing like what we see in the Bible. For being politically correct, now is the time 
Today is the day of salvation. We can't wait on someone else to do what God has called us to do. What has God called you to do? Then do it wide open. Do it to the fullest for His glory. That's what I want for my life. Is it wrong to want that from, for all of our lives? Because I think that's what God wants. Are you doing what God has called you to do for the fullest? God didn't call me to be a businessman. God called me to preach and to teach the Word. So I study the Word. I write books. I put it on the Internet. I share it with the world. That's what God has called me to do. What has He called you to do? Do it to the fullest. For His glory. Not for your name. Not for your benefit. Not for your prosperity. But for His glory. Because if we are all Doing together as one body, functioning in unity in the same spirit, with the same mind, with the purpose of the gospel, whether it be your spiritual gift or my spiritual gift, and we're all moving towards that purpose, watch out, my friends, because there would be an ignite of revival in this nation. But as long as we're trying to conform to the culture so we can fill the pews, Listen, we can hire a comedian and stand up here, and if he's good enough, we'll have a packed house and the overflow will be burnt out and online will be filled. We need the Word of God be to preached so that our hearts will change, our lives will change, our families will change, our trust and our faith will change. When the church experiences persecution, the church arises to the surface. The people of God. And we're told in verse 12 of Exodus that chapter 1 that, that the more they afflicted the people, the more they multiplied. It's like a roach. <laughs> you know, I, it seems like, boy, you can't kill them. Like they just keep, they're like pigs. <laughs> you, you can't get rid of them. Unless you call, of course, bug busters, they'll get rid of them. The more they afflicted, the more they multiplied, the more they spread out. And so the more they spread out, the people were in sheer dread. God will not and could not His Word be twisted and manipulated, even though the Egyptians excelled in their wickedness. It wasn't enough to just put taskmasters over them. They, they had to get even more wicked, more evil, trying to prevent the plan of God. Can I just remind you before we move into this next section that the Bible says in the very beginning to a man and woman who were not in sin, who were perfect, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's pre-fall. That's pretty beautiful. That's God's expectation for humanity. But here we see wickedness arise to prevent the plans of God, but they could not. They even went as far as trying to abort children. So they said in verse 16, when you were helping the Hebrew women give birth, see them upon the birth stool. If it's a son, you shall put them to death. But if it's a daughter then she shall live. As they call for the murder and the slaughter 
of babies to prevent them from growing and producing. I can't help but be reminded of today. This is the very same thing we see in our day. Supports abortion and the killing of children and the slowing down of the command of God to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. It's a perversion of perversion. It is the modern day holocaust of killing a human life in the womb. We go into 2023, that will never change. It will be evil and it is always evil. It was evil in here and it's evil today. And the devil doesn't want the growth. The devil doesn't want prosperity. The devil wants control and power. And so he tries to suppress it here. Children are a blessing from above. I love verse 18. When the Egyptians called the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this thing? Let the, let the boys live. Oh, you know, Pharaoh, it ain't our fault. These women... Because these, verse 20, because the Hebrew women are not the Egyptian women, they ain't like us. No, they're vigorous. They give birth before the midwives can get to them. Notice 20 here. So God was good to the midwives. Why was God good to the midwives? Because they protected the children. Do we protect the children? You say, yes, I stand for abortion. Okay, that's great. Praise the Lord. We support as a church ministries that are... We support missionaries. We're pro-life. We're working in pregnancy centers in Ukraine, protecting the birth of children. Do we protect the children from abuse? Do we help Encourage the children who are fatherless, the orphans. The Greek word for orphanos is orphan. We translate it in English, means fatherless one. How many fatherless homes are there in America? How many fatherless homes there are there in our community? How many fatherless homes are there in Fennell Elementary School? If we want to get personal. That's why we do ministry there, because we love the children. We want to protect the children. We want to provide for the children. We want to help encourage the children. We want to share the gospel with the children because we want the children all to be saved. They must be born. They must be protected. They must be honored and respected. But here it was evil. Just get rid of them. Stop the growth. Whatever it takes. Stop what God is doing, but it's an unfailing plan of God. It will come to pass. The Egyptian people will be blessed. Let me tell you this. The church will continue to grow. It may not grow numerically. It ain't my job. It ain't your job to fill the pews with people. What is our job is to teach the truth of God's Word and to encourage the saints for the work of the ministry. That's our job. And that will continue to grow as long as Christ is exalted, as long as we, uh, we know Christ and make Christ known. I believe that God is working in our day through a people who love Jesus to stand and to be mighty in the face of persecution, harassment, tyranny, men and women living in fear, trying to control others out of fear, what, whatever may be, is not the right answer. If you're operating in fear, you're operating 
not in faith, because fear and faith can't cohabitate. When fear moves in, faith moves out. Who's living at home? When we are faithful to the Word of God, the plan of God, and repent, He will be good to us. When we are faithful and stand up for what is right, He will be good to us. And though we may not see it on the surface, we may not even look like He's being good to us, but I promise you His plan is unfailing. And we are to be faithful despite what the circumstances look like. I trust it multiplies. Trust He makes us mighty through the power of God for His glory and His kingdom. And I want to encourage you today to let us stand knowing that God is in control. That God's will must prevail that we need not only to be faithful in walking and trusting in, in truth, not in fear, but living out faith that God will overcome evil with good in His perfect timing. Just keep pressing on, my friends. God will ultimately bring Jesus Christ through the promise that He made to Abraham in Genesis 13, 15, 17, 22. He would unfold the plan of redemption and salvation to all humanity. To all mankind that would believe. And so let me ask you today, have you placed your faith in Christ? Have you personally put your faith in Christ and been born again? Listen, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. We just celebrated this at Christmas as a baby. The perfect provision, the powerful birth of Christ came to accomplish a task, and that task was to seek and to save those who were lost. He came to live perfectly, to know that we could not, and to die upon a cross that you might be forgiven for your sins. You say, that's an awkward way. Well, it's God's way. I'm not God. That's God's method. You couldn't come up with another method like He came up with. And so He sends His own Son, Jesus Christ, to become your sin, to become your substitute. And He imputes to you His righteousness so that when you stand before God, God not see you, He sees His Son, Christ, and His perfect righteousness. He, how, how good you must be to get to heaven, you must be perfect. You say, how is that possible? I tell you how it's possible. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. When you are saved, you're covered in the blood of the Lamb. And you are born again from above. And when God sees you, He sees you righteous, and He will let you into heaven because of your faith in His provision, which is Jesus Christ. Do you believe? Are you a child of God? Today is the day of salvation. And know this, in your life as you journey through this new year, wherever it may take you, listen, some, as we celebrate in 2024, will not be here. It may be me. I may go be with Jesus. But as you journey through life, whatever it is that God has you doing, I want you to go with boldness, trusting in the unfailing plan of God.
And whatever it is that God has called you to do, when you do it faithfully, He will take care of you and you will come out on the end. Whether it be here or whether it be there with the Lord, celebrating with all the saints who have gone before, we will worship Him in spirit and in truth. But in order to do that, you must know Christ as Lord and as Savior. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. And be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.